0: Hi, I'm Shannon Torrance, and you're listening to or watching Magic Is Real. Today, I interview Janet Tarantino. Janet is a three-time near-death experiencer and the author of the book, Dying to See. If you enjoy this interview and want to hear more like it, you can support this project by liking, subscribing, and sharing with friends. Thank you so much. Now, here's my interview with Janet Tarantino. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Shannon Torrance, and you are watching or listening to Magic is Real. Today, I am so happy to bring to you Janet Tarantino, coming to us from Colorado. Janet is a near-death experiencer, and she is the author of a book called Dying to See. Janet, thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm so excited to speak with you. Oh, well, thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. Me well, too. This is one a- of
1: my favorite subjects.
0: Mine too, as it, as it happens. So I'm really, I really appreciate your time and your sharing your story. I really hope to bring, um, but the purpose of doing this is to share hope with people and to let them know that there is more than what we see here in earth school. So first I want to talk to you about you as a, as a human being. Um, and if you can tell us about anything you're comfortable sharing about your childhood, your former um, perhaps like religious attitudes, what were you doing with your life? Who who were you <laughs> before your near-death experience? Um,
1: I was, I grew up in Iowa and uh, my, my parents were Lutheran and they went to church uh, every week pretty much. Um, And they did put us in Sunday school. I have two brothers and a sister. My brothers were twins. They're two years older than I am. And we didn't want to go (laughs) because we went to school all week and we wanted our weekends, you know, for fun. And uh, so we didn't, we would whine, and eventually we whined enough where they they did let us stay home. They figured we could make up our own minds about uh, about what we wanted to follow. And I, mine was playing outside. That I was communing with the Creator in that way. I had never thought much about death because during that time frame I was so young. I I knew there was something greater. Um, I just internally knew there was something greater, but I didn't know what it was, um, God or Jesus or or whoever. I just knew there was something uh, larger than we think. Um, so I carried out my life and, and then um, grew up. And when I... Uh, I started in the office area. I was in in an accounting firm and then I I went to snack food companies and uh, had a long career with a a major and now international snack food company. And I was their network coordinator. And I was good with figures and I could analyze uh, traffic flow and the cost of the traffic uh, to get the product to the location. And my whole job was Uh, analyzing routes and setups and get product for for in the trailers to get the product to the customer in the least amount of cost. And I did that for many years. And uh, now I'm retired and I'm doing
0: this. Well, how wonderful. Um, Mm -hmm. It sounds like you really enjoyed your career, but I think- um, it's it's also so wonderful to, I think we can give our gifts in so many different ways. It doesn't matter whether you're an artist or uh, you know marketing professional or um, a tailor, whatever it is. I think that you can find so much joy in that. Um, and I, but I also know from personal experience that um, at a certain time, sometimes we really seek to do more to be of service in different ways from a soul place, and it's. Often happens because of some kind of spiritual awakening um, or just kind of our age. You know, I'm now middle aged and I'm starting to find that as much as I've really enjoyed a lot of what I've done, it's so fun to be able to do something that's um, just more heart centered and, and more based on connecting with others and sharing some sort of a, a supportive message. So, um, with all that in mind, what happened? that brought you to this place? How did it all begin for you? Well, it was a series, but um, when you're young, I had
1: a near-death experience when I was 15 um, and I didn't realize what it was. Of course, I didn't know about any of these things because there wasn't any information out there, nor was I in the spiritual community. I was working my job and, I pushed that aside as kids do. Um, I saw a sumo wrestler through a tunnel of clouds and a a beautiful uh, music box lady came swooping down into this other opening on the right side of the room. So I was looking into two worlds. Um, The sumo wrestler was watching me, just simply watching me. And the other uh, beautiful lady uh, was talking to him And I was so interested in fashion at the time because I had uh, worked a summer job to save up money for um, high school clothing. And so that was the big time, you know, for us, this was dating time and and school activities, and I wanted to get involved. Uh, So I um, pushed it aside. I then I had I grew up when I it was in my snack food company job. Then I got in an, an, an accident, a car accident uh, where my car was totaled. I was rear-ended by a truck and pushed into the vehicle in front of me. The interesting and fascinating thing, that's where it, everything started to, you, you know, it's like he was knocking on my door at first time I discounted it. this time, he was knocking again, a little bit harder. And, um, I didn't have my seatbelt on because I was just going home from the flower nursery and I was going to do it on my way and I was only a block away and I was had been um, adjusting my music and listening to that but this car was stopped at the, at the bottom of the hill uh, no lights no street there he was just stopped and it was a three-lane road going that direction three lanes going the other direction I uh, stopped behind him um, and, th- and originally there weren't any other cars around so there was of no concern and then all of a sudden the lights changed at the top of the hill and all these cars came barreling down the uh, three lanes. They, they were all filled and I knew because the, the gentleman that was behind me uh, was looking to his right. I don't know if what was there or if he was I don't really have no idea what he was looking at. I knew he didn't see me and I knew he was going to hit me. So in my mind, I said, oh God, he's going to hit me. And I knew I didn't have time to get my seatbelt on. So then I heard a voice. I mean, I'm the only one in the car. And it said, lay down across the seat and cover your face. So I did. And um, then the first bump, the first collision, him hitting me, felt like a bump of a, somebody bumping the side of your bed. It was very gentle. I thought that wasn't so bad. And I started to bring my hands down. And then I saw the window above me shattering in slow motion. It was, it was actually beautiful. It was like a beautiful piece of art. And I went, I covered my face again, because I knew it was going to rain on me with that glass. And so um, then all of a sudden I felt a huge, Arm come under my knees, another huge arm come under my shoulders, and I was lifted up by something that I couldn't see, and it was like a like a carrying a child to their room. You're carrying them that way, but then I was above the scene, in it, in a looking through to this dimension through a through a hole in a cloud, but there wasn't any clouds in the sky. The cloud was caused by the other dimension. I was. Let, Uh, looking in from the other way. And I was accompanied by spiritual beings that I I knew were there, but I was more focused on the accident scene. Um, Then I was snapped back into my body after the collision uh, stopped. And I saw a person run across the road um, to the car uh, to help, because they were going in the opposite direction, which was the direction to the hospital. So, uh, there was a lot of medical facilities in that direction. And the, uh, I was snapped back into my body and I was in the front seat laying across the seat. Um, and they said the the, the person that stopped was a lady. And she said, she's been thrown around the car. The seats are laid down. And a, a gentleman asked me, he said, were you? And I said, no, cause I was back in the front seat. Well. I didn't realize I had been because after looking at the accident, the car, it was the rear window that shattered, not the front window. The front window was still intact. So as you can imagine, after that car hit me and I was pushed into the other one and I thought I was gonna go through the windshield, but not, um, those angelic beings who took me up must have had assistance to manage my body to get me back in the very same place that I was in the first place. Wow. And then I I uh, thought about that, but who are you going to tell? Who is going to believe you? You know. So I kept, I again, I kept it quiet. Then um, I went through the the uh, greatest ambush ever. <laughs> I call it the the ultimate ambush makeover. And during this time frame, uh, I was felt like I was being erased. I didn't know what was happening. Um, I started to stutter. I couldn't write. Um, I couldn't do math anymore. Uh, everything was gone. Um, I was shaking so I couldn't write uh, letters or notes or even sign my name. Uh, but what what uh, was shown in the third near-death experience that uh, what I'll talk about next was that was where I was being made over. Uh, They showed me an under construction sign during that time frame. Because in the Bible, it says, I will save you and you will honor me. So he was making me over into the person that was going to honor him. And so I started going, felt a need to go to church, which I hadn't gone to since I was a child. Um, And I chose churches that were um, that the speakers were more of a uh, enthusiastic about life and encouragement, uplifting. Uh, they weren't, you know, uh, scolding people for not tithing or whatever. It was really uh, a fun church to go to. Then um, I went uh, during the third near death experience. My husband and I moved out to the country because he liked the country life and it was close enough for me to drive into work. And so I had developed an allergy one summer into fall season. And I thought it was something that would go away. Uh, but it it didn't. And I saw so I was taking allergy pills in, when I went in at night um, to clear up my sinuses, because I thought it was some, I would have been working with hay, because he had horses, or mowing the lawn. And I thought it I maybe I had developed a allergy to hay and to cats because we had cats outside, you know, most farms do. And I wasn't aware that it was inside that was bothering me. And this particular night I went to bed uh, after taking my allergy pills and I propped three pillows up on top of each other. So uh, I was at a 45 degree angle so I could breathe better. And I always uh, sleep on my back with my hands over my tummy. So my husband and I fell asleep and in the middle of the night, uh, my chest started to hurt um, and I couldn't get up. So I reached for my husband and I asked him, well, I reached for him and he I didn't feel him. And so I called him, I said, Gavin, help me, please help me. And he didn't respond. Then all of a sudden I was up at the ceiling looking down on my body and that of my husband beside me. But the interesting thing was, was my hands were still over my tummy and I was still on my backs in that sleeping position. So it was my spirit arm that reached for him. And it was my spirit voice that called for him. And that's why he didn't feel it and he didn't hear it because most people can't hear us from the other side of, of the dimension. So I w- was, I had felt like I was finally set free. I was—it was the most uh, beautiful experience and a breath of fresh air because I felt like I had been compacted into something that I I needed to get out and expand. And so I and I was uh, surrounded in blackness, which made sense because it was the middle of the night, and um, I was in. Uh, floating in love, peace, and tranquility that can't be described here on earth. And I was being connected to the the universe. I was beginning to be kind of connected consciously to the bigger picture. And I knew that this, what was happening was perfect and is happening as it should be. And that I had been here many times before. I floated in that uh, darkness, uh, kind of like on my back, uh, like I was in a pool, a pool. And I saw a silver cord float by from left to to right. And I didn't know what that was. um, And I didn't know where it was connected. So I disregarded that. And then I saw something else coming from the left, right. It was a light that was coming from the right. And it was kind of moving in an S shaped fashion. And I don't know if you ever saw the cartoon, the road hmm Okay. Yep. That's the way it was coming. Yeah. And, but I wasn't worried about it. wasn't, I wasn't fearful, but I, because I saw something going on with my body and that's where my attention was because there was something blue lifting out of my feet then my ankles and then my shins and up to my thighs and just by wanting to see that I was down at my waistline watching this form lift up then I was back up at the ceiling again and I watched it as it exited the body and then it started to draw up toward me. Well, <clears throat> that's because I was the spirit body that had left the upper part of my body. And I was now watching the rest of my spirit body leave the lower half. <clears throat> and as it grew up to me, it we transformed shape. Um, then I transformed into the shape of an orb. And I felt like I was being held in a wand. And the reason I knew that was because I could feel my energetic arms that had been elongated and floating out to my sides free. Uh, They started to pull in and then my legs that had left the the body were pulling up. And then I had a fishbowl effect as I transformed. And, And then my vision became perfect it's it's interesting though that I in human form I couldn't see I had to reach for my glasses every morning because I wore contacts during the day my vision were so was so bad but I had perfect vision out of body and I thought this was awesome and I, I was thrilled about everything that was happening and I then this uh, ball of light zipped into the room, just like the, the, the roadorner does in front of Wiley e. Coyote, you know, uh, and stopped into, in the room. And then he grew up into a spiritual being that was infused with light and radiating light. And he had light uh, coming out of his heart center. Uh, I also was glowing. In the orb transformation, when I was an orb, I was glowing as well. So part of my vision was obscured because of my glow as well. Um, I because of my analytical nature, you know, I looked at the form. And since I couldn't see the face and it had hair down to its shoulders, and I I didn't know any men, so it had to have been a woman, you know. So I thought it was a woman, and but it had a man's shape, so I thought maybe it's a woman with the stocky build or a man's figure, uh, but it didn't end up being that. That was Jesus, and I didn't know that in this near death experience because I have more experiences that even come after this, and when he was before me. I was, I was just looking at him in awe and I knew he knew me, I knew he knew everything about me and I knew he loved me despite my faults despite my successes, there was nothing uh, that that would uh, make me not be perfect in his eyes. But there was another pin of light coming in the same s shaped fashion off from the left through the darkness. And it started to come forward and then it grew as it came and it turned into a uh, living light. And it had the appearance of a tunnel because of the cloud shape, the the clouds bubbling around it. And I, but I could feel the colors coming out of it, even though I couldn't see them, Uh, they were there. And God, Jesus, Jesus held his hand out to me, and he said, it's time to come home, Jan. And my first thought was of my daughter, Gina, and how she would react to my death, because we're close. We're kind of on the same spiritual journey, but in different ways. And she was in my first near-death experience. Uh, That's who the music buck lady was, uh, because I thought of her as daddy's little girl at that time. And uh, I didn't realize it until later. And I, he said, she'll be okay. I didn't have to ask him. He knew my thoughts, she'll be okay. Uh, afterwards, I told my daughter what he said and she, uh, she very strongly disagreed with him as, as you might know kids do. Um, so I was going to go. I was floating now through to, toward that, living light which was God and his hair was kind of going across his chin uh Jesus going across his chin all during this time so i i think it was the light we were in the tunnel it was the light that was uh, the second light that was sucking us toward him because that's where his hair was going his hair was being Uh, pulled and I was being pulled, gently pulled and sucked into the tunnel. And when I was just about there, um, Jesus uh, was God, the energetic God, it reached out his rainbow arms and he embraced me. And when he embraced me, um, he told me I was perfect in every way. And he showed me moments of my life. Uh, some moments I recognized, these were in many movies and some I did not. Um, and he told me, understand these moments, they matter. Well, as you can imagine, I wanted to understand him on, you know, in heaven and I wanted to go. So then uh, he released me and angels came and they took my elbows. I had then transformed from the orb shape into a form of a human. And the angels gently touched my, uh, the upper arm behind above the elbow and they lifted me clear up in the air above the ranch. And everything had melted away. So I could see inside the ranch and outside the ranch. Um, And then I also could see all the land in all directions and I was, there was a two pins of light coming up the road in the distance. Uh, We, and my focus, all of a sudden, not me, but I felt like I was in the vehicle, um, because I could feel it the it go, crunching the tires and i could hear the crunch like my ear was exactly right next to the tires as it rolled over i even even had the vision from from the where he was going because i was like it was right down near the tire watching it go at, uh, down the road and then i was back up in in the air again looking down on my body and my husband beside him and I could still feel that the vehicle going up the road that turned in to our drive. We uh, had since we lived out in the country there was a quarter mile driveway to our house and it was gravel Um, so that they had turned down that there was one place that was a lower area that when we had a lot of rain it would wash out we'd keep having to repair it. Well. When it hit that uh, gully, I could feel the lurch up and it was an ambulance. The lurch of the ambulance as it went over, I still could hear the tires like my ear was next to them. I could hear the clanging of the equipment as it shook in the vehicle, yet I was still up in the air. So I was in all places at all times. Uh, The important thing is, is when I saw My spirit leave my body. I knew internally that that was my portion of God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, that we each have a sliver of him, and that is our spirit, and we are connected to him through the silver cord, which I find out later. Mm. And they were showing me, actually, the ambulance went up to the house where the floodlight was, uh, on, because obviously my husband had discovered my my not breathing, because he was now in the living room, and they hurried in through the kitchen and into the bedroom, and I couldn't see what they were doing. I just knew that I was dead. I was I was I was dead now, and I was going to continue to stay dead, and I was okay with that. So then I again I was they were trying to convince me to stay here on Earth. This is what was happening. And then all of a sudden I was down on the precipice of going into the light again. That's where I, my intention was. And I was shown one more image. That image uh, was my middle son, Kurt. And I knew something was going to happen to him in the future. And if I wasn't there to help him, he would go down a, a different pathway that wouldn't be good for him. So that's when I said um, I'm not ready to go to Jesus and he nodded his head and he was smiling I couldn't see his face but I, I could feel his smile so then I turned back into the blue spirit body that I was when I was out of uh, when I was coming out and I sat down in Jan's body and I slipped one spirit leg into one side and another spirit foot into the other side, just like you would a piece of clothing. And then I grabbed my spirit knees and I rocked back and forth like kids do, you know, like a rocking horse until I could get up enough momentum to sit, to lay down and help her sit up and grasp for air. Um, she did. She didn't, she knew she wasn't ready to die. She cried cried, and and then she had to worry about when the other shoe was going to drop for her son, Kurt. And uh, then all these strange after effects started happening. But as she sat down, as I sat down in my body, I heard this message, message echoing over and over from heaven. And it's not only for me, it's for everybody. Love is the only thing that matters, and it kept echoing. Love is the only thing that matters as I got back in, and it echoes in my soul every day. When I when I make a decision, I'm thinking, is this the best way for me to make my decision? Is this the showing the love that I need to share? So it's it's separated me also from um, from the body because now my conscious can my whole view of life, death and consciousness had had been changed, it was shattered. Uh, and now I knew it, we are spirit beings living in a physical body and we are also, uh, our consciousness holds our memories uh, even while it's out of the body. Uh, the brain may f- handle the functions of the physical body but it is the consciousness uh, this in, within the spirit that's housed within our spirit that handles our, our spirit. And we know who we are. I knew who my daughter was. I knew who my son was. Uh, so we retain these memories. And this was uh, because I knew something was going to happen with Kurt and I knew I had to be there. I knew that because I must have had some kind of contract with him. And I also later discovered that, you know, that my daughter, uh, when, when I was trying to understand all these moments, um, I realized that it was my daughter and she had come, uh, to talk to my guide because she wanted me to get back in my body because if I had died that night, she wouldn't be born and she wanted to be born and I wasn't going to be get pregnant or Have her until fifteen years later. Now I, I must have been um, aware of what the the connection, when what their talk was, but it might have been erased from my mind because I thought of her as daddy's little girl, and uh, if I had known, then I'd always wonder if I'm picking the right man to be this person's daughter. I just needed to to live my life and it would come together. And uh, so, and the, the, when the music box lady and the, the uh, sumo wrestler left, they, tr- they transformed into orbs of light and left, went around the house, I could see through the walls, just like I had x-ray vision and they watched me through the side window. Then one of them left, which must have been my daughter because the sumo wrestler always watched me. Um, and then she came back and then they both left. And then I got back in my body. So um, I had a contract with her to be her mom. So we do have soul contracts to work with people. And I think it's absolutely amazing that, they, that we do. And after near-death experiences, the communicate, communication doesn't end. Um, you're open. You're open, you know your uh, sonar is there for, to pick up things. And then one night, I've had several other experiences. but one night, um, I was in Austria with my uh, boyfriend and we had had a great day and I went to bed and read like I normally do. And then I uh, while I was sleeping, I was taken up to heaven into the whiteness of heaven, the ethers. And there were spiritual beings there. It was a panel of beings that was there. Eight to 12, I'm not sure, but there was a number of them. Anyway, uh, I, I knew I knew them and they knew me. And they said, have you learned anything about judgment? I said, yes, I had, because they knew I had, they had knew I I had learned because I had judged some people when I was a child and uh, made assumptions about them. I didn't like my neighbor's dad because of the swimming suit he wore, wasn't like my dad's. And I, uh, I had heard things about my grandfather. They had said he was an alcoholic but I never saw him with a drink in his hand. And he was never uh, drunk that I was aware of. And when I grew up, then I realized he, well, he became a bartender and had never had a drink again. Now, how can an alcoholic um, just quit like that uh, once they're a bartender? That that doesn't ordinarily happen. And then I, while I was uh, evaluating this stuff, I, I, he, he was in World War II, and did he have post-traumatic stress disorder while he was, before he had a job, was he depressed because he didn't have a job and was had post-traumatic stress disorder and was treating it in that fashion? Uh, so I realized that none of us know, and my my mom didn't even know he was in the war. <laughs> I was the one that told her, I said, yes, he was. He was in World War II. Uh, we don't know what, what makes a person who they are. Just like me, all I kept all these things quiet my entire life un, until uh, another incident happens. Um, but while I was in with this panel of beings, I, when I, I, they told me to explain how I learned, well, in, in the meantime, I had met Bob. I had not known him before, but there was a psychic medium that said that she, before I even met him said that um, she sees people from Europe looking over at me. I didn't know anybody in Europe and I uh, had no intentions of going out of the country. But then on the social website, I get a message from this man um, asking if I would, you know, practice English with him and write back and forth. So I thought that was harmless enough. So I did. and. Uh, we started uh, having conversations through the um, the chat area and it took him a while so I would write him something and then I'd tell him I'm going to go uh, have a uh, shopping with my daughter and then we always stopped at Starbucks for a cup of coffee on the way home read our horoscopes and stuff like that and uh, when I get back Uh, he'd asked me about the coffee but after a period of time he said I'd really like to meet you even if I just fly in for a cup of coffee and and so I said you couldn't can't do that you stay uh, um, and see the area for a week I'll show you whatever you want to see well he did come ended up staying for three weeks and then came back two months later and stayed for a month and then uh, we've been flying back and forth every three months for 13 years now
0: wow
1: so but they arranged him to come into my life. Um, they made it known to, that he, he, they brought him into my life to love me, um, to take me places to where I would learn that I had misjudged because I didn't learn I had misjudged till I went over to Europe. And then I realized that the neighbors uh, had friends from um, Hungary. And so they probably, uh, are from, we're all immigrants from somewhere. Their lifestyle must have been from there. And my grandfather was from Norway. Uh, and after being over there, they they socialize, you know, they have tables all over little huts where you can share a glass of wine or a glass of beer with your friends. And was he was his drinking because he was that was his way he learned it for socializing. Um, I don't know, so as I sh- showed them how I had learned, these memories played out through the heavens. And my neighbor, as he walked by me, my, uh, my full length of, of body was only up to his calf, the lower calf, that's how big these memories were. Um, so and they were just kind of all playing out all around me. And after I was done, the, they were so happy. And, oh, and another reason they brought Bob into my life is because I don't know technology <laughs> and he does. Uh, so he was brought into my life to help me with the mission and of, the, of what I was supposed to do. Um, and he, he helps me in many ways. Uh, and it was also for him as well because he's, he's a federal investigator over there and he deals with facts, 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 you know. So when he came over here and I told him my story, um, he, you know, he discounted it. He didn't believe me. But then after time went on and he, and he came and would spend time here and I was collecting stories for my second book, which will be my second book coming up, other people's near-death experiences uh, for that because not everybody wants to write a book. And, but they still feel the need to share their story. So I'm offering them that avenue to share it because um, some of them have said, now they feel like their, their soul has healed a little bit, a sense of accomplishment of what they were supposed to do. So it's in a way it is helping them heal too. Um, so he, when we were together, uh, then my phone burned up, uh, I lost all my information on it and he discounted it as old. And then um, another time we were in the kitchen and the light blew out. You can discount that. Um, But then the TV came on as we were cooking and I looked at him and see, (laughs) you know, I told you. And then we were, we had, we were in the living room uh, watching television and the lights came on. If in the kitchen, nobody was in there; they had been turned off, and so now he's thinking um, it's pretty fascinating. Other than the fact I seem to burn up my computers because I I get all this spiritual energy going, and it, it kind of after a period of time uh, it it crashes. My last one had burned up, um, and so uh, he's had to uh, redo, re- revamp my uh, computers. Uh, four times in three years and uh, so now he backs up everything on my computer has uh does two backups one for our place and one for his office so that it's kind of out of the way so he's a big advocate of mine but what really triggered everything was a soul painting that I had done and the soul painting um do you know what a soul painting is I do, but why don't you explain it from okay. your perspective? Okay, the soul uh, soul painter. I well, I, I got a coupon was on a website for a soul painting for fifty percent off. So my daughter and I went to get one done, and she she asked permission from us to uh, for her to connect to our heavenly records, and we of course we gave it. Uh, and then the gatekeeper of the heavenly records shows in in person's mind eye and uh, through an inner knowing and energy what she's supposed to paint, and so she paint and the colors are meaningful too, um, like a yellow here an analytical person, pink love, um, orange is creativity. There's a lot of different meanings for these things, and she would explain them as she was painting uh, painting it, and then about. 15 minutes before she was done I looked at my daughter and I said do you know what she's painting and Dina said if she was painting my near-death experience and it's because it's a message from the heavenly records that's meaningful to the person to the sitter who was with there I thought she'd paint something blue because I saw my spirit and it was blue so i thought she would paint something if she was legitimate she'd paint something blue but she painted my near-death experience blew me away what did Um, she what did it show specifically it showed jesus it showed jesus with his hands out in in a welcoming gesture and the tunnel of light next to it and uh And it also had a cherub on the top because initially when I saw this being, I thought he had wings, but then when I drew it, because I have all the drawings in my book of what I saw, and I thought maybe it was the light that was making it appear like it had wings, but I believe it was the cherub, the cherub that was with Jesus who was behind him at the time, that was the wings that I had saw. But I believe orbs come and go in um,
0: orb shape. Now, and- I want to talk about orbs. Um, just before we do that, I would like to ask you, why do you think it is that some people, I mean, I guess, why do some people have near-death experiences, period? But I'm more interested in why some people have numerous glimpses into the um into the other realm into the other dimension um what what is it that i guess my question is is it um you know why does i i'm just going to use god for lack of a better term. some people call it source universe why is it that god specifically um sort of sends you these experiences or has you experience these things um Or at least, and I know you may only be able to speak for yourself. Um, What was it? Because it looks like when you were younger, um, you were shown a glimpse. You didn't know what that was, and it sounds like it was kind of like, okay, see, it was almost a setup. Like just wanted to introduce you slowly, and then this car accident, going to show you a little bit more, and then this um, allergic reaction. Now we're going to show you the full thing. And then you being, and then I believe after that was when you were brought up to the angels where they had you, um, the sort of panel of, of angels. It was after that. They keep, they continue yeah. to be
1: in contact with you.
0: Right. And so I wonder what, and you like I said, you may only be able to speak for you, but what do you think the, um, some people have that happen and others don't?
1: Well, everyone's on a different mission, yeah. a different uh, um purpose. Uh, my purpose uh, was this book, obviously. Mm-hmm. And because the, all these moments that he showed me, uh, one of the first moments that well, there was two moments when I was a child. Um, but but I'm gonna tell you about when I was four, when I was four, I was pre kindergarten age, and um, waiting for everybody to come home from school, I was bored. And I asked my mom, because she was on the phone, they were talking about adoption. So when she got off the phone, I said, am I adopted? Because I didn't understand the conversation. And she said, no, silly, you're our little girl. Well, so I said, I said, okay, but I'm going to die young. And I told her, I'm going to die young. And she says, quit talking like that. But as I said that, I had visions come through my mind of three different ages. And those were the three different ages I had my spirit mm-hmm. my near-death experiences. So my near-death experiences were planned. These were planned to awaken me up. And a, I have a lot of lessons that in my book that are meaningful for everybody. And because I analyzed everything, I went through through and all the moments in the future that I was shown, the ones I didn't recognize at that time, have happened. One was the soul painting, one was the panel of beans, one was about my brother, Doug, who who, uh, passed away. Um, And so I go through all these moments in my book tell what they were, what exactly happened, because I didn't tell everything about my, my first one. I didn't tell everything about my second one because there's just so much to tell. And it they tie together into a bigger picture of my book of life, mm. basically. But we're not puppets. We have choices, uh, but certain lessons, like the ones mine would have happened no matter which direction I would have gone they may have been wor- worse in one direction. And we have that inner spirit that talks to us all the time. We discount it as our thoughts. Um, at least, for example, you leave keys. You, know, you walk out the door and you leave your keys. And uh, before you get to your car, you think, oh, I get my keys. So you turn around and go back and get them. But it's not that you remembered them. Your spirit pl- uh, put that thought in your mind so that you would go back and get it, you have all kinds of little things pop into your mind, and it's up to you whether or not you accept it, do their guidance, what they're giving you the guidance for, or not. And I've learned to listen to that, and I've learned to utilize it. Um, I'll ask the angels before I get before I get to the grocery store, and I'll ask them, "Would please, you know, please, would you open up a?" a good parking spot for me <laughs> and by the time I get there there's usually a parking spot open for me because mm-hmm. it gives them time to make arrangements for it but if you're in the parking lot you know and ask for it that it can't be manifested that fast or um, I came down to pop some popcorn and, and I didn't have any in the kitchen so I went down to the pantry in the basement to get some and I had that day I had been looking for a letter a letter uh, from my uncle um, and I wanted to answer it. And uh, I couldn't find it. And so I came up the steps and I realized when I came down the steps from upstairs, my eyes were drawn to the corner of the table where where I had uh, my calendar and a coupon sitting. And when I left to, down, to go downstairs, um, my eyes were drawn to that corner again, so I popped the popcorn in the pop, you know, in the microwave, and I walked over to the corner and I picked up each item one by one, and stuck to the bottom of the coupon was the letter I was looking for, because that's another way they they guide us. They'll your eyes will be drawn to what you're supposed to see. Now it's up to you whether or not you grasp that. Um, so. Yeah,
0: I've been I've been doing that a lot lately. I used to panic if I lost my keys or my phone or whatever it is as I'm going out the door, and now I just say, "All right, guides, angels, show me where it is." And whether it's be, you could argue it's because I'm just calming myself enough to focus. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, where I just don't have problems with things like that anymore. I just go. It, I'm led right to it. Even if it's in the garbage can, it might just be suddenly I feel compelled to open the garbage can and say, oh, they fell in there. So I think it's it's something to keep in mind to listen to that voice and listen to where you're guided and pay attention. Now, I would love to speak about orbs with you because I know that that you've got some really cool information. And before you show me what you have, um, I have said this on the podcast before, so um, I don't want to be too repetitive except for the um, purpose of explaining to you so we can incorporate it into our conversation. Um, When I was about 13, 14, I turned my light off in my bedroom a gigantic when I say gigantic I'm saying a tennis ball because to me that's a gigantic orb that I'm looking at with my naked eye that's the color of your shirt but even brighter as blue as blue the bluest blue I've ever seen and it ha- it was clearly intelligent it looked at me it looked almost it didn't have a face but it had at the same time it had such a personality and it hovered over me it zipped back and forth across the room playfully and I screamed just because I was taken aback. And at that moment, it shot straight up and just disappeared. And I I sort of was atheist slash agnostic for much of my life. But then later in life, I'm like, but then what was that? Um, And I had several mediums say, well, that was spirit guides. That was spirit showing themselves to you because for reference later, because you would become spiritual. Now that really makes sense. Um, But it was sort of like them saying, hey, we're here. Just wanted to let you know we're here. And then went away. It was almost like they said, when you need us, we'll be here. And it took me a little too long to summon. I mean, I haven't seen them in that form, but to sort of reconnect with them. But I would love to hear what you think about that. And then I would love for you to talk about orbs from your perspective. Yeah, I think
1: I I agree with her. I think that was your guide um, because the guides are always with us and, um, they don't talk to you, you know? Yeah. So they're, they're called, and they're angelic watchers. They're even in the Bible, the watcher, you know, mm-hmm. watcher angels. Um, and I th- yeah, getting your attention. Uh, that, that's a great one. Um, yeah, so I saw yeah. something similar. A good way for people to practice that is while you're sitting in your, well, sitting in your, laying, sitting in your bed or in the living room, Put your focus in the middle of the room, not on a wall, not on an item, in the middle of the room and keep it there. And you'll see that as you stare at that, everything is gonna kind of uh, change and you're gonna start to see energy. And then if you you can concentrate it on it long enough, you can see little forms in there. Um, And I saw, just like you, I saw an orb, the shape of a, a plum, but it was a white one and it was floating up next to my bed, coming up the side of my bed, just very gently. And I was reading a book, I was watching it out of the corner of my eye. And I know that that was my guide too. And these pictures w- will, um, will show that to where, where they're, where they're located.
0: For you podcast listeners who are interested in seeing the photos that Janet shared, as well as the video that she kindly shared with us, which shows her father's spirit leaving his body. You can go to YouTube and look up Magic is Real, and you'll find the video version of this podcast there. I I just wanted to find out, um, after your near-death, I'm not sure at which point, uh, after which near-death experience, you began to notice that you had developed um, deeper intuition. Um, I don't know if you want to call it mediumship skills, psychic abilities. When did you start to notice that you were tuning in all the time or you know at at different times um it started after
1: the car accident um i had could not sleep i didn't i needed less sleep and that's one of a side effect that you you you, uh, have sleeping disorders then because you're they come to you seems the veil is thinner at night And so you you feel them. I didn't know what it was. But after the third one, then um, yeah, a lot of strange things happened. The telephone would start ringing, and nobody be on the phone. And I didn't know what was going on. So finally, caller ID came out It was in the time with caller ID. And so when I got these calls, I wrote down the number and called it back immediately, because I wanted to know what was going on. And every time I called it back, I would get that recording. This is a non-working number. Please check your number and try again. It was driving me crazy. You know, what's going on? But my, uh, the electrical field was, was setting that off and also would make the yard light uh, flicker. And I would tell my husband, we'd need, we need to get that fixed. Um, The oil company had put it there. So uh, it was like, was like a street light. And after I left, after uh, we get separated, uh, it, he said it works fine. So it was obviously my energy because I, when I was in the house and I would look out, it was solid. But when I was outside, it would flicker. And, it, and so I didn't know what that was about because I hadn't learned yet. Um, and I also was in the uh, library on the floor with the dog. And I was looking through the, the window out onto the porch and I saw a cat, but the cat was translucent and it had uh, seemingly come from the basement and was walking around the uh, washer dryer and water heater. And we locked eyes and it saw us and, uh, cause the dog saw it too. And, and then it t- rotated its head back, turned and walked through the solid door. So, yeah things strange strange things were happening and I'd be sitting in a restaurant and I'd hear a voice say Jan and I'd look around and nobody was there and uh, then I'd hear Jan and I'd look around and nobody was people were thinking I was crazy. So I finally ignored it because I didn't know what it was. and I also could sense people's uh, emotions, their real feelings, even though they um, thought they were masking them. I knew what they were. so. Then I finally, uh, as things progressed, I started to learn um, more about this stuff. Then I went to the
0: James von Prague uh, school, right. Mediumship School and did that. That's so. so cool. That's something I really want to do. I mean, I've taken a lot of classes, but I'd like when COVID settles down, <laughs> whenever yeah. that may be, I'd love to be able to go study at Arthur Finley or with a group with a lot with that energy in the room that you showed in those photos. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you actually practice mediumship now? Or is it? Something- I don't now yeah. because I I'm doing this
1: and I've got the yeah. book I'm writing on. I just don't have time for that. But once I get the book done, uh, it's a possibility because it was fun. Yeah, it was, And I can um, put myself in somebody. <laughs> I can yeah. if they want their aura you know, checked, I can, I can look at their, the colors of their chakras and see if they're working right. And, um, I can feel from the inside, I can feel the shape of the aura. And if it's, you know, uh, if they're living too much in the future, or if they, they have memories from the past or this one, uh, beautiful lady I was practicing on, um, I was doing a, a session with her and I said, I feel, I feel the, the absence of an, a male figure. And, uh, I said, are you divorced? And she said, no, he, he kind of seems like he's, you know, she was joking. He's kind of acts like he's out of it sometimes, but she was laughing. No. But, um, so I told her there's something about April and I, I feel a a burning sensation in my, um, uh, lower abdomen. I said, are you going through the, uh, change of life? Something's going on there. And she said, well, I don't know if I am, but what it ended up being is she had an, uh, an infection that she had to have treated that, uh, that manifested itself a week later. So I was sensing that, um, and the. Then I, I told her. I said I hear a little voice over my shoulder saying I'm handsome. And what it was was the male figure was the baby she was that was stillborn, and uh, and her the, I said there's a young man here dressed in uh, Mexican clothing and he's showing me his his foot his foot out is out toward me and he's got patent leather shoes on it. and he's a dancer. Well, what it was is. She had gotten to hold her child, but she never got to touch his feet. And so she always regretted that her entire life. And now he wanted her to know that uh, he he was dancing uh, in heaven. And she said she realized later that she had been at his graveside with their daughter a week previous when he he had uh, the anniversary of his death. And she said, "I bet he was handsome." So he, that, yeah. that I'm handsome was the connection to that time frame. Oh, that
0: is so, so beautiful. I lo- it's amazing what spirit brings through. It's incredible. I know. Last yeah. week I did a reading, and I said, "I said your grandfather's saying." he just, he's showing me that he taught you electronics and and that you're doing something with that. And the kid said, yeah, I'm in engineering school now. And I said, he's saying, that's my boy, that's my boy. And he said, he started crying. He said, he used to, he was in Colombia. He said, he always said, este es mi niño. And he said, that was like his catchphrase that he said all the time. So to me, it just seemed like something any father or grandfather might say, but it was actually something he said to him regularly. And it's, I just, I'm like, hat. That's so cool, i mean they they say that one thing that to me seems so commonplace, but to the sitter, they know exactly what that means, and that's their connection that's happening right. through me it's just they're just using me to sit to say, "You know I'm here because you know I used to always say that to you, and it's just the most amazing, beautiful thing, yeah, when I was doing that reading, I kept getting a uh
1: the initials uh b and d b and d, and i I didn't know what that was, and um so I didn't tell her, but then she said his name was, we called him baby Darren. I said, Oh my gosh, oh. that was the B and I, yeah. I was getting a B and D and I didn't know which one to give you. Um,
0: so I should have given her both and yeah. it would have made that connection. Ba- but, baby Darren. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's what people, who don't do mediumship or, or have aren't familiar with it should understand is that it doesn't come through as full sentences or yeah. complete knowing it's it's like a game of charades. They show you little because it's a lot of energy for them to to do slow it. their energy down and give you something just a little bit. And so they're giving you the littlest bit that will make you that will prompt you to say what the sitter will understand. so it's not. It's, it's hard for them to get words and names through. It's hard for us to receive that. A lot of times, occasionally you'll get, it'll come. And then, but a lot of times you won't. So they're giving you, that's why a medium says, is there a J name? It's not because they're guessing. It's because they can hear a little bit of, it's like someone speaking through like a million tunnels and you're catching just the little tail end of it or the little beginning of it. And it's so it's so cool how you can just faintly hear it, but it comes through just strong enough so that you say exactly what the sitter needs and understands, and it's it's just the coolest thing. It amazes me every day. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and those, oh, go ahead. Those initials can sometimes be the people in the audience
1: because I yeah. went to one place and I was getting a D, and it says, and David was sitting in front of me, and I and uh, this was a man that I had with me around fifty years old, and um, he said he didn't have anybody like that, so, but I was being drawn to this part of the room. And so uh, there was a table back there and I said, does anybody, this make sense to anybody else? And they said, no, but my name's Deborah. And I said, so did you, does this man have some kind of connection to you? Cause he's making me feel like he's fishing. I kept feel like I was fishing and they started laughing. It was her husband that had passed away oh. and he loved to fish. Yeah. Um, so he was trying so to get cool. the attention of Deborah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Um, uh-huh. so I would like you to share what is coming up for you. What do you want to share? I'm obviously going, I'm plugging your book, dying to see dying what to else. See are you there. Yes. show. I'll, yes. And I'll, I'll put links at the bottom where you can, yeah. where you can buy the book. Uh, what else do you want to share today? Um, it could be things that you're working on. It can also be just something that you want everyone to know, or it could be both. I'm working on, like I said, this next book, Uh, and if
1: anybody out there does have a near-death experience that they would like to submit, uh, they can go to my JanetTarantino.com website uh, to the contact page and uh, send me a a contact and how to get a hold of you, and we'll talk, and uh, you can type it up, send it to me and I'll have the editors edit it, and I'll, I'll talk to you about questions, maybe to fill in some details, and we'll get it put in the book so that, so that you've done what, you're, what you feel that you need to do to give you some healing. Um, and then I want to, after that, I would really like to share my story in the senior centers uh, to help the people there. After being there with my mom and dad during the last uh, uh, weeks of their life, The people there are, they need to hear this kind of stuff too. Yes. Um, That there really is something going on there. So that's my next calling. And then back to life at normal and doing videos on all this stuff. Oh, fantastic. The fun stuff.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think that's really important. I love that you're doing that, that you're planning to speak with, with seniors. I know I did. I spoke a lot with my grandmother before she passed. She really she would be very receptive and then tell my mom that she didn't believe any of what it, I was saying, but then she would tell me like, oh, I asked your grandfather to send me a sign and I saw the fan spin, or I don't know if she was just um, sort of indulging me, but I really, and I tried I tried not to push it on her. I just kept saying, you'll see, you'll see. And I, I, I think it was almost like she was afraid to hope, but it, I think there was a little part of her that was happy. She was, I think she was afraid. Um, She had pulmonary fibrosis and it was just a long, painful passing that just went on for too long. And she kept saying, I'm so ready to go. Please just end this. And even though it was a terrible way to die, I just wanted to at least share with her what I knew um, to give her a little bit of hope and release a little bit of the fear. And so now I always talk to her in spirit and and ask her for signs. And I'm like, I told you. And I just think, (laughs) look, you can't force it on someone who's not already open to it. But I think if you can just plant that spark, which is also why I wanna do this channel and interview people like you because there is so much fear of death because it's the unknown. And none of us will really ever know until we get there exactly, exactly what it is. But I think people like you have the ability to share what you do know and and the fact that there are thousands upon thousands of people like you. and And the reason I'm sharing, stories from people like you is I've said this before I don't just interview anyone who says they had a near-death experience I really I'm drawn to the people who are very believable very who can tell their story in a very um organized and succinct way and this and the details don't change because I don't want I think it's important um to do this topic justice by um and and not to say that people who aren't as articulate or eloquent, don't have important stories to share. I just think I'm trying to get as many people like you um, to tell their stories because I think it makes people think twice. Well, this woman is clearly not out of her mind. Um, yeah. This clearly yeah. is a very normal, average person who um, says this happened to her. And once you start to see that it's not just one person, it's, it's thousands um, who have the same story. And people who would say that it's a trick of the mind. It's its just a brain's way of protecting you as you're dying. But then why does everyone have almost the exact story? The details change based on the person's perceptions, belief system, um, but it's always similar themes. And to me, that's just so compelling. Um, yeah. and, not, and not for the sake of you being believed as much as it's important that... Um, I know it's not as important that you personally and people don't think you're, you know, a a scam artist or something. It's important that it's believed because it's an important message that I think we really need to hear.
1: It's not only about death. Uh, My book focuses a lot on, on life and what we're here for, because we do have contracts to work with people and, and Uh, We need to learn that if you talk, if you write down your life in a timeline with the prominent moments and the deja vu moments, the deja vu moments are moments that are planned, and you're kind of on the right path. So if you can correlate that with something that happened, um, you'll see the people that affect your life, like the, uh, um, uh, the soul painter. Yeah. Uh, Teresa Dunwell. Uh, she, she affected my life greatly because of the painting she did. James Demos, the medium who told me who my guide was. Uh, he affected my life because he spurred me on to, to uh, uh, in- develop my intuition. I said, I can't do that. But everybody is born to do it and they have that inner knowing all the time, especially when they do something, they say, oh, I knew I shouldn't have done that it's because they heard their inner voice, that inner knowing, but they they chose not to listen to it. And it's so easy,
0: so easy to practice and, and develop that. Yeah. We all have it. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your energy and your insight with us to, to keep that message just to keep that message flowing and to keep reminding people that there's so much more to this life and that life really isn't, uh, life is eternal, that there is no death, that death is an illusion. I think it's such a beautiful and important message. And I'm just so honored to have had the opportunity to meet you and speak with you today. Thank you. And I just want
1: to remind everybody to always think positive and make your life a mystical adventure
0: instead of... a uh, uh, of a
1: boring one. (laughs) So
0: look for the beauty. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Janet. Take care. Thank you for having me. Bye. My pleasure. Bye.